And so, you know, but it's challenging, you know, it's very challenging. So, but anyway, our kids were three and a half and seven, but as good a relationship that she and I had before we married, it all shifted. You'll understand as we go on why that shift happens. Um, so some of the unique things are step family marriages are more difficult at the beginning and better later and this is the reverse for first-time marriages usually the marriage starts out good and deteriorates over the years marriage quality usually goes down unless people are really working on their marriage but step family marriages actually get better and i am a testament to that um, and so bonding can be more difficult than in the first marriage for the reasons i already mentioned because you have children at the get-go and you have children coming and going um, it takes several years for the entire step family to bond so it takes several years and when the therapist when we got into therapy about six months after we got married I said I don't think so I can do that a lot quicker than that that's ridiculous that it's not going to take us that long I was wrong um, there are ghosts at the table we'll be talking about what that looks like and how ghosts at the table create lots of challenges for step families especially early on it does not invalidate the previous divorce this is something that's very confusing for couples when they marry is they feel like they kind of put that in the past but interestingly enough it will come up in the form of leftovers so it also uh, has its own life cycle and in one study they found that there are three different types of step families so some of the unique challenges too for step families is, is that there are just many more players than in a regular family there can be eight grandparents instead of four um, there can be people coming and going aunts and uncles I mean the extended family just grows and then the friends of of the two different families if both if both couples or if both spouses remarry it can get very very complicated one man said after his first year in a step family he said I went the whole first year of my marriage he said I went to parties and events where I did not know one person he said I felt like an alien on another planet so it can be very challenging the step family research um, project was uh, formed here at Baylor here in Houston and Paul I don't know if you knew it or not but your cousin worked on this study yeah did you know that you do now he worked on this study this study is amazing I've never seen one like it since um, but anyway he just did an amazing job he had a lot of graduate students that were working with him on this but it's in the form of a book it's in your biblio but it's the book is just called step families and if you are working with a step family I tell anybody when they first come to see me you have to get this book I don't even know if it's still in print or not so they may have to look for it but this book is profound I didn't read it it didn't come out until our last kid was about ready to leave home but it shed so much light on why we did and how we acted and why I did some of the things and acted the way that I did throughout our marriage so this book is profound um, so anyway um, this is I am missing a slide let's see what's okay well I'm missing a couple of slides here I'm not sure what happened but anyway I want to talk to, with you a little bit about some past research um, again Dr. Bruce Fisher I mentioned in the earlier presentation 
There is also another um, study that was done. It's in the form of a book, and it's called The Unexpected Legacy of Divorce by Dr. Judith Wallerstein. It's also in your uh, list of books. She also wrote the book Second Chances. These are other books that I encourage people to read before they consider getting a divorce. I've had a lot of couples read this book and go, you know what, we're not doing this. This book is profound. It's a gut-wrenching very difficult book to read, especially if you're thinking about getting a divorce. Or even if you grew up in a divorced family, it's a very profound book. It, it's very healing, but it's also, it, it's also a very difficult book to read. But anyway, a few of the things that she found out in her research is that uh, men, women, and children that were interviewed were still deeply affected by the divorce 10 and 15 years later. 10 and 15 years later. And I would bargain with you that those were people who'd really not done their work. Not one child out of 131 kids saw the divorce as a dead issue 10 years later. Out of 131 children in this study. Children said remarriage is not the same as a first marriage. There's no such thing as instant love. And step-parents have to earn the respect and love of the stepchild most, and this is the most significant reason why step-families do not make it. Why step-marriages do not make it or second marriages. Because they, did, they went too fast with the children. And it just causes all sorts of havoc. Um, in her 25-year outcome study, she could not anticipate who was going to do well and who was not. She said some of the children that did the worst, that were the most bereft, that were the most acting out, ended up being very balanced young people and went on with their lives in an incredible way. And she said some of the kids that seemed to be the most balanced and handle the divorce the best were messes. Just, you know, they just went through a lot of trauma in their adult years and it lived out in their relationships. She also felt that the high rate of divorce is probably why our young people today are saying, you know what, we're not going to get married. People just divorce anyway. And then that way you don't have to worry about getting a divorce if you don't ever get married, which is really kind of ludicrous because if that relationship breaks up because there's no commitment, do you think that's going to hurt any less? You just won't have a piece of paper. But ending of relationships can be very, very painful. Uh, more of her research revealed that it's the quality of life post-divorce or remarried family that matters the most to people or the second chances. After the divorce, she says the die is not cast, but this is where the important part of the story begins. Uh, adults see marriage as a second chance. Kids do not. This is very key. Adults see it as a second chance. Kids do not. Kids don't want another marriage. Most kids want... Did you have a question? Dr. Judith Wallerstein, uh-huh, and it, the name of the book is The Unexpected Legacy of Divorce. Um, adults see remarriage as a second chance. Children actually see it as an ending, and this is why children become so undone after their parents marry, and this is why the bonding process takes so long. And, you know, not to say that there are some children who are actually excited about their parents uh, getting married. Some actually are. But then as the grieving, again, starts to set in, it's kind of like a, a secondary grieving process. It means my, That means my parents are never going to get back together. So it's very confusing for kids. It's confusing for the adults. But most children do fantasize about their parents returning together. Um, and so one of the things that I want to do now is I'm going to ask Laura to play the first video because this shows some of the fantasy that can go on with kids. Um, and how they fantasize about their parents getting back together. 
I won't get that. That's fine. Change. Mm -hmm. You were talking about change. Well, the fact that you two are remarrying obviously has Anna overjoyed, and she's very excited about the move to Switzerland. She said we are remarrying? Mm-hmm. And my concern is that Anna seems apathetic towards her work, knowing she's leaving uh, before the semester. M Mrs. Franklin, we are not... No plans on getting... Remarried. There's no move. To Switzerland. Uh, mm -hmm. No. Really? Really. Well, then my concern for Anna is that she... Are you here? I'm here. Because you don't seem like you're really here. I'm here. The judge is about to rule an emotion that could make or break this case I've been working on for eight months, but have I answered my beeper? So turn it off. I'm wondering if there's anything going on at home that could possibly be intensifying Anna's need to create this fantasy. I've been seeing another woman well, for the, the past three year. Short years since our divorce, he's seen a number of women and I saw a few women when we first split up, but I've been seeing anyway, one now, woman for the past year. And after a lot of thought and careful discussion with her. The and the kids, I might add. She moved he's in. Living last with month. a woman half his age. Isabel's not half my age. We're not discussing your age. Then why We're bring it the up? Children, when they go to your house, they want to be with you. They want to be with their father. When they come to my house, they want to be a part of my life. Isabel's part of my life. Mr. Harrison, I hear you talking about your life, your needs, but are you really in touch with what Anna needs? Anna needs a home where she feels safe and loved. What I'm trying to give her. I thought that's what you already had. I would walk through fire for Anna. Gladly. Any day of the week. Except Thursday when Isabel forgot to pick them up. Jackie, she was, she was five minutes late. I'm wondering if Anna could be responding to the underlying hostility that exists between your girlfriend and Mrs. Harrison. Well, of course she's responding to it. Mrs. Franklin, do you think any of this is easy for us? Do you think it's easy for Jackie to watch her kids being looked after by another woman? Not to mention a, a woman who really has no experience being a mother. Of course Jackie's going to be irrational, hostile, defensive. Thank you, Luke. That one will be coming up. How'd y'all like that intro? Um, complicated, huh? So did y'all see all those emotions in the room, all the different issues, the kids, his past girlfriends, the current girlfriend? The, you know, it gets very, very complicated. But if you heard the first part of it, the daughter was telling everyone at school that her parents were remarrying, and I think they were moving to Switzerland. So, and this is the first that the parents had heard about it. So um, it can get very confusing and very complicated, and kids do fantasize. There, in the study, um, Judith Wallerstein had a lady that she was seeing who was in her 40s, and unbeknownst to her, the, um, she was also seeing another therapist. This is a big no-no, unless both therapists know about each other and you're working on two separate issues. But anyway, she was seeing another therapist who was a male therapist. And so eventually, she told Judith Wallerstein, she said, I've been seeing another therapist, and I would like for y'all to get together and hold hands and symbolize that you're my parents and that you've gotten back together. In her 40s. So, you know, for some people, this, this goes on for years if they don't get help and, and really work through the grieving process. But the past is very important. Some of the things that happen, again, that are very confusing in step-family marriages is that leftovers usually don't come up until you get into another relationship. 
this was a, a term coined from uh, Dr. Fisher's work, the leftovers is what he calls them. Because if nothing new is going on, your old stuff isn't going to come up. And so when you remarry, you know one way to be married. I don't care how much therapy you have. I don't care how hard you've worked on it. Your leftovers are going to come up, and you're going to, re, um, I mean, I totally did. I was teaching these divorce adjustment groups. I knew how to be single. I knew how to be a single mom. I knew how to take care of myself, but I was stunned, and I did not believe that it would happen to me because I'm unique and different, you know. And uh, sure enough, my leftovers came up. That's when my husband was like, who the, who the heck did I marry? You know, who is this woman? And I had had enough therapy and enough help at that point that I realized what was going on, and I was able to put the brakes on and back up and get my new toolbox out, you know, try, start trying to close the lid on the old toolbox and get my new old toolbox out and start getting my new tools out that I'd been working with for years now. So leftovers do come up, and again, if you're working with a step family, that is so common for that to happen. There's also this thing called ghost at the table uh, that came out of the step family research project. And uh, in a little bit, we'll, I'll show you a ghost at the table issue that happens. But ghosts at the table are pretty much self-explanatory. But the kids and the adults can both have this phenomenon happen to them. We could be having a conversation, but my head's going somewhere else. And my head says, wow, in my last marriage, though, when we went out and bought that bigger house, our, everything went to, you know, it went bad. It went really, really bad. But the other spouse is all excited about buying this new house, but inside you're going, hmm, that, that went bad. We shouldn't do this. You know, I'm really not interested in this house. And the other spouse could be sitting there going, what is going on? Same thing with children. The stepfather could say, you know what, honey, um, you need to go turn that TV program off because, you know, we, we don't watch those kind of things at this house where his dad would be sitting at him with, at his, with his child at his house saying, this is our favorite TV show. So inside the kid's going, what's wrong with my stepdad? What's wrong with my dad? My dad says this is a good show. And the kid, instead of saying what's really happened, he says, you know what? I hate you. You're not going to tell me what to do. So a lot of times early on in a step-family marriage, there, there's this ghost-at-the-table phenomenon that's going on as people are still working through their grieving, um, the loss of the previous marriage and the loss of the previous family. The other thing that happens are insider-outsider gaps. This very much was apparent for me. I moved into my husband's home that he had built for him and his daughter. My son and I moved from 100 miles away. It was their furniture. My stepdaughter had to move out of her game room. The extra bedroom was her game room. That didn't go over very good. That became my son's bedroom. My husband wasn't planning on getting married. He didn't buy a bigger house because he was not planning on getting married. So he just bought a three-bedroom house, and the third bedroom was her playroom. And um, so my son took over her bedroom. But it was the same thing as the man said earlier. I, f I felt like I didn't know anyone when I moved to town. Thank goodness I'm a, I'm a pretty friendly person. I like people. But it was still weird moving into their territory with their friends and it was a lot to get to know. The sleeper effect is another thing that came out of Dr. Wallerstein's study. This is another thing that's very confusing, is that even if kids do seem like they get to a place where they've worked through the ending of their parents' marriage, a lot of times it will resurface in the teen years. As they start to get into their own relationships and their own dating relationships, this sleeper effect will happen, and they will start to become either angry or depressed or a variety of emotions about their parents' divorce. 
So it's a fascinating thing that came out in her 25-year outcome study. Um, but anyway, back to this research project, let's talk about the different cycles that, um, that Dr. Bray found out in step families because this, um, this is pretty exciting stuff. This was a nine-year study that started in 84. It ended in 1992. There were approximately 200 families from the Houston area. And this study was set up such that the stepfather was the non-custodial parent, and he moved in with his new wife and her children. And she had custody of her, her children, so his children visited. Is that clear as mud? See, it gets confusing. Um, so, but even though in our stepfamily, we both had custody of our children, and they both visited their parents on the same weekends, this study was still so very relevant with how things uh, played out for us but the first two years is when the family is the most vulnerable this is a very very chaotic time for the marriage 25% uh, divorce in this cycle 75% reevaluate their expectations and beliefs but communication is huge it is key to getting through this time um, in cycle two oh I wanted to say this point too though a key point here, though, is, is that also cohesiveness is another one of the most important goals. That family needs to come together, especially the couple. <coughs> and after two to three years, a well-functioning step family was perceived as healing and overcoming the transition of the parent's marital transition. So, But if the couple could embrace that the first two years were going to be a rough ride, they did better. Um, cycle two, years two through five. This is mostly common happiness, and part of the reason why is, especially in a step family where there are young children, is that they believe it's because of the latency stage, which is uh, around the ages of six to ten, six to eleven. It's when it's the most calm time typically in a child's life. So children are easier, they're easier to deal with, they're easier to reason with. Um, so they felt like cycle uh, two, was, that was part of the reason why. Uh, stress decreased by 200% during this time. Can you believe that? 200%. New rituals are established. There's more consolidation in the family. Uh, there's increased harmony. And there's more adjustments to the home, to the environment. I mean, the kids have kind of settled in. They know the schedule. They know the routines now. The parents do. And so there was just an overall calm that happened during these years. There was more stability, there was more predictability, and the porousness was understood better. This is another term that um, traditional families don't understand. Now, there, suffice it to say, there are some families that have more porousness. They have less boundaries than others for different reasons. But step families, the doors are coming and going and opening and shutting. There are people coming back and forth. Uh, I, Joey went to dad's house he brought home his snake we don't allow snakes in the ha this house over here you know well Susie wants to go to ballet whether she's at mom's or dad's you know the stepmom is calling and saying you know well you know you have to do this medicine over there too I mean it's like you know people are coming and going there are so many schedules there are so many different things there are different rules at different houses it's a lot for people to keep up with much less children I mean, if y'all have children, you know how hard it is for them just to keep up with it one house. Imagine having two homes. So, but it's important to continue the bonding process and family rituals during this cycle, too. It's so important.
because they ground the whole entire family. Now, these rituals have to be things that everybody buys into. If you've got a, a stepfather that says, we're going to do this at Christmas, and we're going we're to be the Nicholas family, and this is how we're going to do it. If everybody does not buy into that, it doesn't work. It just fizzles. Nobody wants to participate. So it's important when you're worth, working with a step family and you're trying to get them to get some stability and predictability. This, these traditions in family rituals are really important, but you've got to get the kids in on it. And sometimes you have to borrow things from their past. It can't be everything from the previous family, but you can use some of those things and tack on some new things with it to kind of make it for the new family. And again, not that it's bad to bring some of those things from the, from the previous family because some kids need that. Some kids are going to want that and need that. In cycle three, uh, years five through nine, there's greater marital satisfaction and stability here. It's kind of like the storm's clouds, uh, though, after cycle two, and you're moving into cycle three, the storm clouds start to gather again. Part of this, um, Dr. Bray believed, because it was because of the sleeper effect that Dr. Wallerstein talked about. The other thing that's happening is, is that kids are moving into adolescence. And whether you're in a step family or not, adolescence tends to be a little bit more of a challenge <laughs> than the latency period. So social challenges as teens want more freedom with friends. There may be increased acting out and defiance. Um, so, but it's interesting, though, that what came out in the study is that the marital satisfaction increased even though things were starting to get rough again. Um, the family identity increased in spite of the increasing problems. They saw themselves as families, and familiarity had finally really set in. Some really deep roots had formed by this time. So everyone knew everybody. Everybody knew all the players in the family. They knew about, you know, my stepbrother's kooky grandma. You know, we know about Uncle Joe who, you know, he calls at 11 o'clock at night and aggravates everybody. Um, so, you know, that had set in. Everybody knew everyone. And even though the little annoyances and little jokes that go on, you know, like somebody who tells the stupid jokes, like my husband is the king of telling stupid jokes, um, but even this, the kids kind of thought that that was funny. Everybody smirked and everybody laughed about it over the years. It just got to be one of those things that our family does or that that person does. So the deep roots had really formed. Um, there's three different types of step families that came out in this study. And uh, one is the neo-traditional, the matriarchal, and the romantic. Um, so here's what started happening in the neo-traditional families. Because the researchers really thought a step family is going to be a step family and you know, a regular marriage is going to be a regular marriage. But what they found is, is that over time, there were actually families that really very much resembled uh, a first-time marriage. Uh, they had more realistic expectations. They found that the couple was much more open and frank about talking about parenting issues and dealing with those things. Um, and that was, um, that was a really big sign for neo-traditionals. They were not afraid to communicate. They were not afraid to talk about the difficult things. The step-parent authority and parenting um, expectations were addressed. And like for my husband and I, we got that out way before we set the marriage date. We were like, you will not spank my son. 
I, you know, I'm not going to discipline your daughter. Um, that had to change, but, you know, it's kind of like I was at a conference a few weeks ago, and they, I went to this seminar on unintentional blindness. Have y'all ever seen this video? I knew I was being set up for something. I just hate when I get set up like that. But anyway, they said you got to count how many, um, the people in the white t-shirts, how many times they throw the ball back and forth to each other. So I'm like, I'm going to get this right, you know. And not the black t-shirt people. There's black t-shirt people, there's white t-shirt people. So I'm like counting, counting, counting. And so how many, how many times they bounce the ball? It's like 18. Somebody said 15. Somebody said 13. They said, did you notice anything in the video? I was like, no, it was 18 times. And they said, people start saying the gorilla. I was like, what? And they said, well, let us play it over again. There's this gorilla that comes out in the middle of the thing, and he's going. I never saw it. I never saw the gorilla. And in this study, about 50% of the people saw the gorilla and 50% didn't. There were about 150 people in the room, and about 50% of us raised our hands that we didn't see it. And, you know, it was like, wow. It's like, how many things do we not see? that are right there. How many things do our clients not see that are right there? And you see it when you're having a counseling session with somebody It's like the gorilla, you know, do you not see what's going on here? And they don't. But it's like, you know, my husband traveled a lot before we met. And guess what? He traveled a lot after we married. And we were just, we had this great plan that I am not going to discipline his daughter. I just wanted to be a friend. I, I have never been one for, like, disciplining my nieces or nephews. I just want to be the fairy godmother, you know. And so he wasn't home very much. He was gone at least three days a week flying somewhere around the country, around the world. I don't know how I missed that, but I did. And that's when my stepdaughter's relationship and mine changed because I had to discipline her, and I had no intentions of doing that. But somebody had to tell her what to do, and she didn't take too kindly to that. And I tried to do it as nicely and gently as I could because, like I said, I didn't really want to discipline anybody's kid. I just wanted to discipline mine. But I got thrown into that parenting role, which is a big no-no in stepfamilies. So I didn't see that coming. Uh, but anyway, about 40% of the participants in the, um, of this study started looking like neo-traditional marriages. There was a fairly high degree of emotional cohesiveness. The, uh, the family members were really bound to each other. They started bonding uh, early on. The, uh, the foundations of this family were a very stable and satisfying marriage. This, this couple really was bound together. Another thing that happened in, these, um, in this particular marriage is that the stepfather was very, very good about not moving in too fast. He was very respectful to the uh, stepchildren, but he did not try to parent them. He just started out being more of a buddy. There was a lot of sacrificing uh, individual needs for the best needs of the family. Uh, and these, this, the neo-traditional marriage also encouraged the former spouses to be involved. They really saw it as help, and they appreciated the help. So they were very encouraging of the former spouses to be involved in their children's lives. They did fall for the nuclear family myth. And just about everybody in this study fell for the nuclear family myth that we're going to be this happy family. So the matriarchals... Um, 
really, this was a very interesting part of the study. About 25% of the study consisted of the matriarchal families. Very clear-cut roles. This is where the mom is, the woman is very highly competent. She's very good at what she does. She may work outside the home and be a homemaker. Some of these women were homemakers. It was a combination. But these women were hot diggity dog. They knew how to get things done, and they did it well. And this is part of the reason why the husbands were attracted to her. And so they wanted to take care of everything, the kids and everything. And this was kind of an agreement before they married. Now, that sounds kind of wrong, doesn't it? But actually, what worked in these matriarchal families is that the dad, the stepfather, really kind of stayed in the wings. He didn't get in her way. He let her do it. That's what she wanted to do, and she was good at it, and he let her do it. Matriarchal men did not really marry the woman for the family. He marries the woman for her. So he's okay with her doing all that family stuff. He's not so much a family man as he is. I love my wife. She's the focus. She's what I want. So, um, and actually, this was this, the uh, key success in the study of what made these marriages work and what made these families work. And it worked again because he kind of stayed in the wings with the kids. He was more kind of a reporter person. Hey, Joey uh, snuck out an hour early before, earlier than you told him to, but the kid would never know that he said it. So he'd be a little bit more of a monitor. So when this did become a problem was when the wife became overwhelmed and uh, she just says, I can't do it all because it is a very complex situation to manage. And he says, hey, wait a minute, we made an agreement. Uh, you said you wanted to handle the whole thing. You got it, honey. Don't, don't change the roles on me now because that's not why he married her. So unless these matriarchal men uh, reached out to her and said, you know what, I understand it's not really what I want. I really don't want more of a role here. Some men lost their marriages over this because she just finally gave up and said, I cannot do it all. So some of these marriages deteriorated over that. But for the ones that they were able to renegotiate and say, okay, it's too much. What do you want me to do? I can do more. I will do more. It's not my favorite thing, but I will do it. Those marriages survived. The birth of our child, again, became a problem if the matriarchal woman still says, this is my kid, even though now it's an ours child. Uh, when the matriarchal uh, woman says, no, I'm going to raise this kid the way I want to raise it, stay out. Because a lot of times the matriarchal man th thought, hey, now I'm going to have a child of our own, and I want more of a role in it. And she says, uh-uh, this is how we signed up for it. This is the way we're going to continue to do it. Another thing that happened... Um, as the teenagers got to be teenagers, is that sometimes these matriarchal men, because they really hadn't bonded with their stepchildren over the years, they really took personally when the teenagers started acting out. And teenagers are going to act out, you know, sometimes more of the stepfather, obviously, or stepmother, but they're going to act out oftentimes anyway, but the stepfather could not take it and sometimes would just say, I'm out of here, I don't have to put up with this out of a teenager. So romantics are pretty much what it says. They wanted instant happiness. They wanted cohesion. They wanted perfection. They wanted the traditional home and family. They did not want any involvement, if at all possible, from the previous spouses, which caused a lot of problems with their children. Um, but they just wanted to avoid, and they wanted to act like it was only them. You know that song, Just the Two of Us? That would be the theme song for the romantics. 
Um, they criticized the biological parents. This was another theme in the romantic families. Um, cycle one is absolutely overwhelming because, as you can see now, cycle one is very chaotic. It's very difficult, and you have all these romantic expectations, and they don't happen um, because it's just very, very difficult those first two years. They were also revisionist. A lot of times they would revise history. Sometimes the exes would even be worse than what they were because now this is going to be the marriage that's going to be my rescue. This marriage is going to be my salvation. So um, that instant familiness that they wanted and all that love and togetherness that they wanted and forcing their children to become a family instantly created a lot of havoc in the children, a lot of resentment in the children because they didn't feel like they had any room to grieve their loss of their parents remarrying. So if, you, if you've ever heard Dr. Looney talk about this in marriage or just in life in general, the higher the expectations, the bigger the fall. And that's what happened with these romantic couples is that their expectations were so high and when things did not work out, it, it went down hard. The other thing that they did not believe in was talking about problems. The romantics felt like, if you know me, you love me. And if you love me, then we don't have to discuss things because we're telepathic. And so they wouldn't talk about things because when people really love each other, they don't need to talk. You just know. You feel my pain. You know what I mean? Okay, so four key tasks came out of this study as well, necessary to survive and thrive. This integrating the stepfather, and I would also say the stepmother in my case, into the stepchildren's lives is huge. Um, and so... We're going to shoot another video right now. This is the one of Julia and Ed Harris. Um, they're having a little bit of an argument over the kids. Now, they're not married at this point. They're dating, as you can see from the first part of the video. This is an amazing movie called Stepmother. It's probably about 10 years old now, but if you want to understand more about stepfamilies, and it's the one with, it's not that one. It's the one, I think, before that. Right. There. There you go. Thank you. I'll call the babysitter. What for? Well, I expect you to handle him yourself. Hmm. What? Can't handle them myself. That's what you mean, isn't it? No. Hello. You don't trust me to be alone with your kids. Yes, I do. No. I, of course I do. It's just that... What? Well, they're, they're a handful. Luke, by keeping me apart from them, it's like you're saying, hey, kids, this is fun. Keep on hating her. Oh, I don't say that. They don't hate you. Really? Look in their eyes, honey. Look in your ex-wife's eyes. Jackie's just trying to protect her kids. What do you expect? It's hard for her, and it's complicated. You don't understand. You don't have kids. Okay. Um, so, it's just complicated for you and Jackie. For me, it's pretty simple because I don't have kids. Look, I'm just trying to make things work here. I'm trying to give you guys some time to get used to living together. All right, then. Back off just a little bit and give me a chance, okay?
Guess who that was calling again? That was the daughter calling again. She's trying to get her dad to answer the phone. So what'd y'all hear in that? He, he said, ooh, when he said, you don't understand because you don't have kids. I was like, oh. So pretty tricky stuff. But you can also see his worry and his concern. And if you saw in the first video, and you're fixing to see in this next video here in a little bit, um, that his ex-wife is very protective of her kids. You won't know why unless you see the rest of the movie. There, this is a very beautifully done movie about step families and all the um, complications. Um, but anyway, unless this parenting task is handled successfully, it can really, really strain the marriage. So you got to do this integration thing, integrating the step family into the stepchildren's lives and developing a shared vision of family life. Uh, that's making decisions regarding how close the stepfather is going to be and the, how the closest stepfather and the child are going to be. Are they going to be buddies? Or is he going to be a consultant? Is he going to be um, just some extra eyes around the house? Or is he going to be a disciplined partner? So, um, you know, the key difference, though, in a troubled child in a step family, it affects the marriage differently. You know, kids don't really have an investment in a second marriage. For the most part, they don't. They are not really bound to that family yet, so they don't worry about it. Kids are worried about a parent's original first marriage. Children will worry about that. But the key difference is a troubled child in a step family affects the marriage differently than in a first. This is because the bond between the child and the biological parent and the step-parent is not being bonded or as bonded as their parent's original marriage, the biological parent automatically focuses on the troubled child. Okay, Versus in a first-time marriage that is troubled, it affects the child in that good parenting is often compromised. Okay, Does that make sense? Um, in step-families, the marriage, again, it has little effect on the child because they're not really vested in that marriage. So... Most step families use the feet first policy. They just jump in and they get started. And that's a dangerous thing to do. And another thing to help families, step families to understand is, and step parents that are trying to integrate, is helping them to understand it does not have to be close for things to work well. In fact, sometimes it works a little bit better if there's not so much closeness to give the child time to grow into those step family relationships. So it doesn't have to be close to be a positive relationship. But stability and consistency are more key. You know, I've seen a lot of step-parents um, that worry so much for their stepchildren because maybe the other parent is not as competent or there are problems or maybe that person has an addiction, the other uh, biological parent has an addiction, and you worry and worry and worry and fret for that child and feel like you have to do more things because the biological parent doesn't, you know, that they don't live with, the non-residential parent. But, you know, guys, it's really coming to that place where you trust God with that child and you trust God with that relationship. Now, obviously, if that child is in danger, you have to call CPS. You have to, you have to do more. But a lot of times it's interesting that as a step-parent, you're not going to fix everything, but God may have allowed you to be in this child's life to make an impact and to be a witness to them of what a healthy woman looks like or what a healthy man or father looks like and so sometimes when you're working with these people and they're fretting over their stepchildren because there are legitimate problems that that child is having to deal with you can also counsel them in that direction too 
Because especially for stepmoms, we're nurturers, and you feel like you have to do something. You know, as moms, we've just got this built-in nurturing thing. So go ahead and play that uh, next video of the police station. This is a really traumatic scene here, but just to show you some of the problems that can come along in visitation. <laughs> he got lost in the park. Are you all right? I knew where it was all the time. <laughs> we found him in the zoo. The zoo. Oh my God. Hold his hand. Don't let him out of your sight. Jackie, I am so sorry. I'm going to say this one time, so listen carefully. That woman is to have nothing more to do with my children. Our children. Do you realize what could have happened to your son? How lucky we are that the police found him instead of some lunatic. I mean, they could... Jack, you don't have to make it any worse. Isabel is sorry. She feels terrible. Could have happened to anyone. Not to me. You've made mistakes. People make mistakes. Well, I am not going to sit here and wait for the next one. I'm not going to watch our children fall through the cracks Jack, of this arrangement. Just calm okay? down. We don't no, do I'm that. not going to yes, calm down. I'm going to a lawyer. Don't do that. We promised we'd never do that. Well, we've broken a lot of promises, haven't we, Luke? Don't take this out on him. It's Isabel, my it's fault. Just... Honey, I'm so... Sorry, but you're not making this any easier on anybody. It is not my job to make it easier for you. It is my job to take care of those children, and they don't want to be with you. I'm getting a court order, and you are never going to be with these children again alone. Do you understand? Ever. y'all feel it's complicated and and if you saw the whole movie part of what happened was she was on a photo shoot she's a photojournalist she was on a photo shoot and she was taking pictures and the little boy wandered off and I think he got lost in Central Park I mean can you imagine if somebody wasn't paying attention to your child I mean Susan Sarandon looks pretty awful in that but you know as a mom, you can understand how she reacted the way that she did. So, again, guys, just there's lots of challenges. There's lots of difficulties in navigating these different um, relationships. Okay. And so um, we're going to skip on through this really quick to uh, the second task. Are we on third task? I can't read my own notes. The second task here, creating a uh, satisfying second marriage. Guys, this is so important when you're working with step families, and it's very hard because of scheduling and the complications of scheduling, but a step family couple has to get out and date. I mean, first marriages obviously need to do that too, but I'm telling you, they have got to do it. And because scheduling is difficult, a lot of couples won't do it. But it is so very important. I think that's one of the reasons how Scott and I made it through those first two years. We had weekends where we got away because our kids were gone on separate weekend on the same weekends. So developing a shared vision of marriage and family. Third task, managing the change in the family. These were some of the changes that this family was going through. But they've got to develop a consensus on parenting uh, on those child-related issues. 
the most significant reason that second marriages failed was not addressing the problems with parenting. Uh, and I always say, you know, it's the best outcomes is if, you got, if you've got a GPS. You know, God providing security, uh, God providing direction and recalculating. <laughs> so the fourth task was creating good working rules, dealing with the ex-spouses. Obviously, they've got some work to do here from what happened in the video. Uh, positive and non-threatening communication skills. I like SET. It is uh, support, empathize, and tell the truth. It is a good thing that you can teach step families to do in talking with their um, ex-spouses when complications come up. Because if the ex-spouse has not done their grief work, you are going to have ongoing problems. You just are. Uh, and, if the, and if the step family has not done their grief work from the past marriage, you're going to have a bunch of leftovers coming up. So the, the couple, the, the um, ex-spouses will continue to butt heads. So positive and non-threatening communication skills. I teach people how to use set, support, empathize, but tell the truth. So support the person like you're talking to your ex-spouse. You know, I can see that this is really hard for you. Empathize. You know, I, I can only imagine how you must feel that the coach won't change the, the uh, trophy party. But the truth of the matter is I've done all that I can do. If you want to try to call the coach, you can, but I've done all that I can do. So um, each partner dealing with their ghost at the table. Who do y'all think were the most and least successful? Y'all want to rate them real quick? Neo-traditional, matriarchal, romantics. Who do you think, what, which marriages do you think were the most successful? Neo-traditionals, absolutely. Um, you know, there were the just getting by groups. Some people, you know, didn't divorce. And, you know, guys, you see this in traditional one-time marriages. Some people don't divorce, but they're just getting by. It's like I'm just suffering for Jesus till he comes back. <laughs> you know? Y'all ever worked with people like that? Yeah. I mean, people do. They're just going to get by. Instead of really investing in what they need to do and what they can do to reinvigorate their marriage and get that healing going. So there were those who divorced, those who subscribed to commitment, and the commitment group were the neo-traditionals. They were the ones who made it the most. Guess who was, guess who was next? Who, guess who was next most successful? Matriarchals. Absolutely. They were kind of like second in line. And uh, in the um, commitment group, there were some reform matriarchals and uh, neo-traditionals, and then there were those... Um, in the Just Getting By group, a lot of those were, were the romantics, but the romantics were the ones who divorced the most. Uh, matriarchals were the next who divorced the most. And there were a few neos who divorced. But definitely, y'all got it right. So, all right, questions. And I, this is my theme scripture for my step family presentation for my long one. I love that. God gave me that. I really felt like um, because my presentation is you know, stepping stones to a healthy step family. Because there's a lot of stepping stones to get there, but they're there, and God provides those stones. And I think that he wants people, he does want to give people a second chance. Those who did not make it in their first marriage, he wants to give people a second chance. He's the God of second chances. So, any questions? Once again, if you would, write your question down. We'll get to a couple of them now, and then we're going to take a, a break. Um, does the research talk about which of the um, parenting relationships tends toward the most success, the buddies, the consultant, or the disciplined partner? Is there any thoughts on that? 
Well, typically in the first early couple of years of the step family, kind of being a friend, a buddy, worked out the best. Just like you were going to be a coach. Uh, they just found that kids felt the best about that, and they did not feel intruded upon, and it gave them an opportunity to get to know that, that uh, new step parent. Do the steps still work on step families when there's been a death in the family, like the, one of the parents have died? The yes, the same? absolutely. It's, it's not the same because there's less, uh, there's less of the boundary issue because you don't have so many people coming and going. But the kids miss that parent. Uh, they have a lot of grieving going on, and there's a lot of ghosts at the table. And you still have to take it slow. It's still a step family system, even if there's a death. But you don't have the complications of a physical parent coming and going, but you certainly do in that child's memory. Wonderful. Um, we're now right at 2.30. We're going to finish by 3.30. So I um, want to take another 10-minute break. Um, I know these days are long and arduous. I appreciate so much y'all's attentiveness and, and patience with the process. We, we always try to... Uh, maximize the time because there's so much good information. Is there any last word that you'd like to leave them with before the break, Janet? Well, um, just thank you guys so much for your attentiveness. I know this is a hard subject, and again, it's so much to cover. There's so much that there's no way I can pack it in in 45 minutes. So thank you for your attenti attentiveness. And guys, just to encourage the people that you see that are in step families, encourage them that there is a way through it. Um, but they have to be diligent. They have to be diligent. It's, it's not for the weak-hearted. <laughs> Amen. Let's, um, let's uh, end, end the session with a brief prayer and then take a 10-minute break. God, we, we acknowledge that life is difficult, and particularly when things go awry. And, Lord, um, as these videos have, have stirred in us a sense of the drama and the trauma of divorce and remarriage and stepfamilies, we just pray that um, our hearts would be tender toward those who are affected by a divorce and remarriage. And Lord, we just pray for your heart for the people that we meet with. Lord, uh, bless us in this break and um, help us to consolidate the things we're learning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Janet. Thank you, Paul.